and the world is not prepared. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 165 of the Rough Cut Retrospective, a podcast that talks about movie, TV, and pop culture amidst the world burning around us. I am your host, Jackson McHeron. Hi, how are you? Alongside me is a golden Carter. It's Carter Sims. No squeaks from me today, baby. Ooh. Ooh, how are you? That's right. I'm good. Um, As Carter alluded to, we are doing the golden Odie's recap of the year. Yes. Um, looking at the 2023 year at the movies, uh, discussing our favorite performances, favorite movies, um, least favorites. There's some squeakers thrown in there. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. I'm amped. There's a few mm-hmm. we haven't seen, but I think collectively we put in some work and we've seen yeah. those things, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a good holiday? Oh my goodness. I did. Wow. We had Christmas and things. Um, it was good. Got a lot good. of got some clothes. Um, I think I didn't get any movie related gifts this year. I didn't. Really I didn't either. Things. I was I was kind of surprised. I guess I got a movie trivia like game card game thing. So I got that going hmm. for me. That is movie related. You so I, have a bad memory, yeah, actually. I really do with it. Like, I don't remember what I had <laughs> to eat yesterday. So um, I don't remember the podcast episodes we've done either. That's on record. So that's true. Um, it was good. How was yours? Was it Holly and Jolly? It was Holly and Jolly. Uh, didn't go home for Christmas. We were just staying up uh, at our new place, which was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was good. We watched a lot of movies this week over the break. So, Heck yeah. yeah. Tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. What was I into? Uh, I, I Like you, I watched a lot. Mm-hmm. Can we start with Rebel Moon Part 1? <laughs> that shit sucked, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, I... Listen, I don't. I had was, low expectations too. Yeah, it was definitely a hate watch. Like I didn't go in yeah. expecting to be blown away, but I was like, oh, maybe Zack Snyder will have fun, like not trapped by a a world that has bounds and limits, like like DC has. But he needs those actually. It turns out he he needs them. I also feel like he needs to just like write, like don't direct. I feel like it's the opposite. The opposite. I hate his writing so much. I feel like he has like he just needs not to write and direct. He needs to do one or the other or just like yeah. have some help. Like it's because it, yeah. it just gets in his own way <laughs> and it's egregious. I don't know. Yeah, he needs someone who can like push a button to allow him to do slow-mo and he needs someone else to write his scripts. And I think he'd be solid. Um seems like a nice guy, but like every single character just sucked. Um yeah a lot <laughs> except we, for this one robot named jimmy who is voiced by anthony hopkins and then he's in like five scenes not even five scenes like five like, seconds of yeah. screen time and then he's out and he never shows up again but he pops up at the end right yeah uh, yeah so we'll see him in Stupid. part two if we'll watch that in april or march whenever <laughs> it's coming out but i don't know what it's, about the director's cut which is coming out who knows when this is another thing like <laughs> this guy gets unlimited redos and and I he's just, what I think this is him secretly kind of weaponizing his base and knowing what he yes. can get away with and what they will. Yeah, he's what he's weaponizing his fan base, I think. It's so, and it sucks. so annoying. It's I don't know. The, the the story is sacrificed for the the fan base to just it, it's just ah I don't know. It was annoying. It was like a chore to watch. And it was also like really boring. It was so funny 
kind of watching it as the lens of like this was what he pitched to Star Wars and they said no and it's like what would this have even been under that IP like it obviously would have been different but like but I don't know for a while it was like for the first like 45 minutes it was just a Star Wars ripoff and then it was also just like a Kurosawa ripoff well it became like well, that's true. It, it was definitely like a Seven Samurai type yeah. deal. Um, seven, all that jazz, yeah. But it also, it, yeah, it like I feel like part of it for me too is like it tried to become like high fantasy at one point, and that that just wasn't mixing very well either. No, I um, couldn't tell you any of the characters' names. Like they were like a lot of racist stereotypes of a lot of these like tropes and and stuff too. Like you have this like indigenous like actor playing this guy who's taming this horse bird thing and it's like oh, oh boy of that was classic yeah yeah so yeah that was not a fan of that <laughs> uh can't wait for us to talk about part two in april um i, I will be, think i'm watching part two to be honest i won't I, be watching the director's <laughs> cut so i i'm uh anyway so other than that, I then I watched four pretty good movies despite all that. Uh I checked out Dream Scenario, which I'd been nice. waiting to see for mm-hmm. a while. Um, I don't think it's popping up on any of our lists, so I thought I'd hype it up here that it was just a lovely film. I took like a classic Nick Nick Cage movie, an instant classic. He's awesome in it. And really cool concept, really cool ideas in there. Really funny and also like pretty sad. Like your typical A twenty four yeah. lore there. So mm-hmm. uh really enjoyed that. Uh, checked out Maestro on Christmas. Nice. Maybe it was Christmas. Maybe it was the day after Christmas. I can't remember. It's this Christmas? day called Christmas. It's called Christmas. Um, the fam sat down and watched that. We enjoyed ourselves. That's fun. Um, I have Maestro might pop up. I don't remember when we talked, but it was great. Bradley Cooper was was great. Uh, really just a showcase of what Bradley Cooper can do. The story was fu- was was fine. Got a little lost at sometimes, but. Cooper was cooking so there was that so that was enjoyable um, then I watched I was like I'm with my dad I'm going to take him to two dad movies of the year I took him to Ferrari nice, and I took him to the Iron Claw and which did he like better I think he liked the Iron Claw more my mom was yeah. also there but like I, I just have to mention that like these are like the dad movies of the year I would say like totally um, you know it's a good dad movie when you leave the movie theater and you get on he gets on Wikipedia and starts looking up the people and what happened to them and all that stuff. So that happened for both. Um, Ferrari was good. Um, it was a little <laughs> slow at times, and I didn't really understand the stakes of everything going on. There's an absolutely brutal sequence that I won't spoil, but nothing can prepare you for what happens. It's quite something. Um, that was so. That was good. The Iron Claw is just your your guy cry of the year here. Very That's sad. Right here. Yeah. Um, but a very a uh, good story, very moving. Zach Efron is probably going to be snubbed in all these acting categories this year, but he was excellent. Like he carries this movie on his shoulders. It was pretty remarkable. The physicality and also the emotion. He was really good. He's not just your high school musical boy anymore. So I thought he was. I thought he was awesome. So yeah, the Iron Claw was uh, one of my faves of the year. So pretty pretty good stuff. Um, yeah, that's the one I'm so sad I haven't gotten around to yet. Just because mm-hmm. one, I love the cast like Jeremy Allen White from The Bear and Shameless mm-hmm. is also in it, and I hear he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And good. then the uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy from Triangle Sadness is in it too, right? Like he's the other yeah, brother. Harris Dickinson. Yes, I yeah, think. yeah. And also the um, Holt Mc I can't remember his name, but the guy from Mindhunter is the dad. Um, 
op alongside Jonathan Groff, the other like FBI. Oh, agent. the other guy. Okay. He's, I can't remember. It's Holt McSomething, but he's mm. the dad. He's really good too. And Lily James is there, whom I love. So really good cast, like you said. Yeah. So check that out when you get the chance. Um, what about you, buddy? You had a busy week too. Yeah. Um, I did a classic rewatch uh over the phone with Jeff and Steph, friends of the pod of the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh mm-hmm. five stars. Uh perfect movie. Um I saw a lot, three, of, which is... a lot of <laughs> I did. I gotta give it a rewatch. Um <laughs> I was sending a lot of like Christmas Carol content on Twitter lately, like Tiny Tim who did not die. I yeah, the a lot of that. not die meme has been pretty good. We've been fans. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh so yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol rewatch was awesome. Checked mm-hmm. out Rebel Moon next, which was not good. Nope. I got around to showing Abby uh, Love Actually, which is kind of like a Christmas movie that is like just kind of fell through the cracks and like introducing our, to her in the yeah. season and stuff. And she's never really been that into it. And I was like, no, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And then I rewatched it and it is not really good. I completely yeah. like that like was a movie that like I just must have really liked in a middle or watch. high school. And yeah. it's just not. It's it's pretty bad actually. Um, yeah, there's only like the, a few like storylines in it that you're like actually kind of interested that in that are worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the like, one yeah. with where he goes to like and he like learns Portuguese or whatever and proposes to his the his Colin girlfriend. Story yeah, line, the Colin yeah. first one is really good, and then the Hugh Grant one is so insane. Of the like Prime Minister. <laughs> well, okay, actually, I need to talk about this really quick Please, um, because. It. It <laughs> this movie does like an homage to 9 11 because it came out in like 2003 and like it like in the voiceover it's talking about 9 11 it's showing love at the airport which is like kind of nice I guess it's weird because it's like not an American movie but like I'm sure it affected the world not just the United mm-hmm. States but that's like very weird Um, on top of that at the very end of the movie you have a kid who is just running past all the TSA stuff and like there's no consequences and they're like yeah fuck the security like go find your love and I think that's like a really interesting (laughs) mixed message on top of which the president in this movie is Billy Bob Thornton which I did not remember at all and he's like so this is like a weird alternate universe where like it's not George Bush as president or maybe he's playing George Bush but then George Bush is yeah, he's like such a sleazeball hitting on this like girl, like on the on the girl that he's interested in, who is also a staff member, which is not good. Mm-hmm. And then like Colin, or not Colin, uh, Hugh Grant like announces that he's not signing some deal with the United States, and it's like, what deal could they be signing? That's like not like it would have to be nine eleven related, I imagine, or like the war on terror or something like like that. I was like, that's such a weird plot line. Um, and then he makes out with his like staff member at like his middle school friends it's just weird um yeah anyways not very good lots going on <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on with that movie uh checked out a haunting in venice uh the camera works really good that's honestly all i can really say about it i, I was not that invested very middle of the road movie yeah the year. yeah totally uh showed abby a charlie brown christmas for the first time that was nice. kind of fun um checked out leo which uh you can attest to is pretty funny i don't think it's like yeah, top of the year or anything like that but yeah. um adam sandler doing this most like the most insane voice um that kind of wins you I, over yeah. a little bit i thought but... i was gonna hate that movie but then i turned yeah. out to just like it so yeah it was good um was yeah fine. uh checked out asteroid city then and that was great mm-hmm. on i i kind of liked the i could see how like the play within the story which is the actual story like wouldn't 
like maybe couldn't work for some people, but I think it 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 clicked for me and I I enjoyed it. Same. It really hit hit hard for me. It's I definitely a it. risk. Yeah. Because like everything else is so good that you don't need it to be this play within a play, but like it is like kind of a cool understanding, I guess, of like characters and actors and getting There's to just know their a, characters. And... With that movie, just like the whole selling point for me is like towards the end of the movie where they're like, What are we what is it all about? And they're like, just keep telling the story. I was like, man, that's good stuff. Like, yeah. That, that hit hard. I was like, yeah, this movie's, this is, this is top of the year. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, checked out Wonka in theaters on Christmas day. Uh, oh wow. I didn't know it was on Christmas day. That's it was on Christmas day at the type. end of the day. Nice. Um, kind of sucked. I don't know. I just, <laughs> it was fine. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, it's just I guess vastly it been, different yeah. than maybe the Willy Wonka that people are used to or have seen. Mm-hmm. It's not a Gene Wilder Wonka, which we I think we discussed. And it's yep. definitely just a different, just a different vibe. It's like this was like a warm hug, and the other one is like existential dread. So there's that going on. I don't and know. I like the Timothy Chalamet. Like I feel like he was doing enough, but like Same. I don't like a subplot of him being stuck in a laundry prison like i'd rather him just like make his factory and that's what we watch and that's kind of like a more interesting got there at the end thing yeah like most of the candy in the movie wasn't even his which is kind of weird when you think about that but Mm. yeah big hugh grandpa today yeah i mean he's been showing up a lot i did not like him in this scene (laughs) (laughs) maybe i just don't like hugh grant is what i'm learning uh which is not what i thought originally but i don't know he's just a very british off-putting man and like interviews and stuff like very unapproachable and things mm. like that so maybe it's his maybe it's his persona but mm-hmm. what can you do he's just uh, just very british anywho um yeah on top of that past lives which was amazing uh, i think it's my favorite movie of the year so far we'll be talking about it just absolutely shattered me and i'm sure we'll talk about that later oh, yeah. uh checked out anatomy of a fall which was also really good mm-hmm. um yeah, it, th- th- like the story with like the son is doing a lot in that movie, and yeah, he's he's yeah. he's really solid. And then also, really quick about that, it's an mm-hmm. international movie. It's going. I picked it in our uh, draft with Corbin and Cody about like um, potential mm-hmm. nominations and stuff. Is it a German film? Is it a French film? Is it a Canadian film? Like, what is it? Uh, it was. It's technically French. Okay, but. France submitted a different film and not anatomy of a fall as their selection mm. for the, for the Oscar. Maybe for that, maybe for that reason, maybe because it was, it would have been France's official submission. Um, But no, they went with, I think the taste of things is mm. what they they put as their official submission. So there was definitely some people weren't up in arms about all that, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of spoken English dialogue. Yeah. Uh, a lot of some German, some French. So it's kind of all over the place. It but, really is. Great flick, Uh, though. And then finally, after a long week of watching, uh, I checked out Killers of the Flower Moon, and that was great as well. Ended on the longest one. Yeah. (laughs) It was like 11 p.m. by the time we finished. Yeah, that's Um, a journey, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's all all I've been into. Amazing. Let's move on to You Like Me. You Really Like Me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. At the end of every year, uh, we tend to do 
a little recap and discuss our favorites. And we thought it'd be fun to make some more official categories, put some nominations in, and then just kind of have a discussion this time around. Um, yeah, so we, we made some. We haven't decided on winners yet for these categories, but we have the noms. We're going to read them, have a quick little chat. Uh, and do that but first i guess before we get into that specifically maybe we could have a quick conversation about the year in general like maybe talk about the trends in comparison to last year uh how do they hold up like is this a better year of cinema for 2023 or or, uh, does 2022 have that for you i think that the high highs of 2023 have been really high Mm -hmm. and then like there's a couple movies from this year that are like I really really love, but when I look back at like 2022, there's just like more m- movies at least at this point in the year. Like I still have some to watch. Um, I think the I should say like my outliers right now or our outliers are like we haven't seen The Color Purple, mm-hmm. we haven't seen American Fiction, like I've seen these big ones, Zone of Interest, we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, for me, I think 2022 just had more higher tier movies for me, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I looked at the year, like, all the Best Picture nominees from last year. Like, I loved every single one. I wouldn't have been mad if either one had won. This year, I mean, we, when we got down to it, when we were making our lists here, like, we were just like, oh, we need to fill, like, two more slots, three more slots. Yeah. Like, I feel like there are like six or seven, like great, great movies this year. Mm-hmm. And then the rest are, th- are still pretty good, but I still think 2022, like, like takes it. Like, like last year you have like, you know, everything everywhere all at once. You have all quiet on the Western front. You got Top Gun Maverick. You got Avatar, Banshees, the, Tar, Batman. the Batman, Glass nope. Onion, like women yeah. talking, Fablemans, like the menu, which was like a sleeper, Pinocchio, Barbarian, yeah, like all these movies we talked about so much, we loved mm-hmm. Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, like mm-hmm. um, all of these a bit like RRR, like even the international. I True, think our, yeah. we've gotten some great international ones this year as well. But I don't know. This year it felt more like the culture around movies shifted as opposed to the movies. Like I, felt I like, agree. Felt like this year, like movies were at the center again of pop mm-hmm. culture, like cemented, like with. Barbenheimer stuff and 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 things of that nature like and like you could also count like you know the Eras tours on there as well like all these moments like it got people of our generation I think back in the theaters and like talking about it in a big way totally I, I definitely think this is the year that general audiences have kind of kept up with like a lot of the releases for once and have yeah. like kind of I mean, I guess Barbie's the one exception of like, and like Spider Verse and stuff of like the IP succeeding. Like all the other stuff has tended, like people, especially general audiences, didn't really love a lot of the superhero or the the yeah. legacy sequel stuff. Um, even the Tom Cruise train wasn't as big. Like we we both thought, mm-hmm. you know, Mission Impossible was really good, but I, I think it technically flopped in in the box office. So it's just been kind of an interesting year. Uh, in that sense too like yeah like you said like the culture around the movies have kind of changed but we haven't necessarily gotten like the solid amount of movies that we got um i don't know i almost wish like the best ones of last year came out this year mm-hmm. just so like people could also be exposed to those because i don't know if people are if general audiences that are catching up or like going back and checking out older movies now or how that's working mm-hmm. um but man last year just had some of my favorite movies that i've seen in a while 
Yeah. And you, you, you kind of think, you know, now I think we're fully recovered from COVID. Mm -hmm. So I think all of these movies, like there would have been, I think there was a time where like maybe these movies and the movies from last year all came out at the same time mm -hmm. some, in, a, in a perfect world, maybe. Um, but yeah, this just felt like, like you said, like people aren't riding for the superhero movies as much anymore. It mm -hmm. seems like, and they're like going back and seeing original stories, which I think is kind of neat. And they're hopping on. Like, I don't think there would, I can't imagine a world where like Oppenheimer was like the, one of the top movies, like this biopic about this guy who made yeah. the atom bomb. Like there's, it also felt like, you know, like maybe movie stars are back. I don't know. Mm. Like, I felt like, you know, the Margot Robbie's and the DiCaprio's of the world and the, the Ryan Gosling's have, and Emma Stone's have like are ushering in like interesting stories starring movie stars, like people that people care about and want to see. It's definitely kind of interesting to see the the actors who have claimed a lot of these like MCU like franchise stuff are kind of drifting into like the quote-unquote like real movies like the real cinema yeah stuff with like they, robert downey jr and mark yeah. ruffalo and stuff like that so like that's pretty fun um it is crazy to think how like we owe this all to like top gun maverick last year and then like this year we kind of expanded with the the barbenheimer moment and yeah. uh yeah who knows where we go from here but i know i guess i would i would also say like the top to the top to the top gun effect um I, despite the the superhero, um, I don't know. I don't want to say fatigue, but just like disinterest. We just had shit ones. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was it. Like I feel like those have those have like dropped in value, and like other like sequels to other franchises were really elevated this year. Like mm -hmm. we we will we'll talk about that in a little bit because we have a category dedicated to that. But I felt like other franchises that don't get the light of day like really succeeded in 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 place of those movies. So. With like an exception of like one or two, which is kind of funny, like how yeah. some of the legacy stuff just like did not work this year. Yeah, but like for the most part, there were some 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 pretty solid ones of yeah. of things like that. So yeah, and obviously also a weird year with like the writer strike and all of that as well, um, where we had to wait for a long time and didn't get to see a lot of things for a while, and a lot of things are pushed back. I think twenty twenty four is going to be an interesting year when we look back on it all yeah. the projects that are lined up and have been pushed back a little bit. So yeah, I think all in all movie wise, I would say 2022 is still a better year in my estimation, but 2023 has had some real standouts as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, yeah, like I said, I feel like those three movies are going to be really important when looking back on like the decade of like the 2020s in cinema mm -hmm. and yeah, I think it's good. I think we're in a good, I feel good amidst all this like streaming wars and acquisitions and all that stuff. I feel confident in the theater experience more than I ever did, especially like a year ago or a year and a half ago. Like, yeah, I'm like fully back. I'm on board. It's crazy that uh, movies like Dune was releasing at home at the same time, like not too long ago. And now people are like fully back into movies. It seems we thought we were in the end times. Like, we really, we, and we were scared. Who knows? Maybe we'll go back, but like, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Um, Me too. Me yeah. too. Movies are back, baby. So let's Woo. celebrate them. Sweet. Um, yeah, let's just get into the, the, the awards. Um, should we start with our squeakers first? Yeah, let's, Let's get to celebrating movies, but first let's let's, let's shit on some. Let's acknowledge some that <laughs> didn't work. Um. Okay. 
We're starting with least favorite performance. Yes. Uh, and the nominees are Sophia Butello for Rebel Moon, Adam Driver for 65, Tom Brady for 80 for Brady, Rachel Zegler for Hunger Games, uh, A Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Of course. And Jim C- Caviezel yeah. for The Sound of Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> what performances? Um, you know, not a lot of big names here other than, you know, yeah. Adam Driver. Which... Rachel Zegler, I think, is kind of big at this point now. I would say so. I mean, we and Tom Brady? About... <laughs> in the, in the movie world, not very uh, popular, I guess. No, but, you know... We talked about, I mean, we talked about Zegler, like she just kind of annoyed us and I don't know if that's her fault or the character's fault. Um, I feel bad. I want to defend her because she's getting like Brie Larson level of hate, but this performance just like was not very good. Yeah. I thought like it's definitely maybe the best out of all these performances. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most disappointing um, Yeah, for me just because I, I want her to do well because I, she seems like a cool person at least and it sucks that these choices were made either for her or whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if she bounces back with Snow White whenever that comes mm-hmm. out. But I people are already turning on that movie, so I don't know. But we'll see what happens there. Um, Adam Driver, just that movie just wasn't very good. I don't know why he chose to do that, <laughs> chose that project. I guess, you know, you, you can do one for you when you do a couple for us. But, but yeah, so... There's that. Uh, who who do you think here? The, also, the sound of freedom was the just the weird time in our culture where that was making a lot of money and for child uh, sex trafficking, weird right wing campaign things. It was a weird time. So yeah, uh, that movie makes up a lot of stuff. And the guy who founded that place that you can get all those donations from, they don't actually use that money very well. Like they're one of the most inefficient spenders of donations towards sex trafficking. Classic, um, and the guy who it's based off of made up a bunch of shit too that's not true and i almost feel like it doesn't deserve this award no because i'd rather them be forgotten forever than be immortalized with a squeaker here here i thought so <laughs> where, where are you leaning i know where i'm leaning. Uh, i guess sophia butello is yeah. where i'm leaning just for you know that movie was bad and that movie her... sucked. And truthfully, it could go to anybody in that movie. But yes. she is the face of the franchise, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, we narrowed it down. Our original yeah. category, we just had everyone in Rebel <laughs> So we had to, we narrowed it down. But... There was a lot that I did not like. In that movie. Yeah, but yeah, let's so... give it to Sophia. Congratulations, Sophia. You are a squeaker winner. Beautiful. All right, let's move on to most disappointing movie. And the nominees are... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, mm-hmm. Cocaine Bear, mm-hmm. The Flash, Wish, and The Exorcist Believer. Quite an eclectic group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little different. Yeah. This is more like some like the movie we didn't hate the well, some of these movies we hated. <laughs> um, but like we just thought they would be better. Like I thought Dial of Destiny would be way better than it was. I did too. Um, like whenever I drafted it, I was just banking on legacy sequel hype mm-hmm. like with top gun and it just sucked yeah and you know had james mango behind it somebody mm-hmm. who we've mm-hmm. seen usher in good legacy sequels um good director just was a little left a little disappointed by it yeah um didn't love it didn't hate it so kind of middle of the road cocaine bear is an interesting one because i think people expected it to be like a fun shitty movie 
and it just wasn't shitty enough. Like, yeah, it, it didn't, like, it wasn't, it didn't lean into it as, as good as they could have. Yeah. Opinion. It's like the opposite effect. Like, I don't know. It wasn't, it was boring enough. at times, it, which yeah. is like not what you want for, for a movie called cocaine bear. No, you want nonstop cocaine bear action and yeah. times you didn't get that. So that's why that's here in that regard. The flash was abysmal. Um, and just crazy because like it's been delayed for like 10 years essentially just yes. over and over and over again it's like all right we're finally getting it and then like these crazy um critic reviews were like no this movie's amazing i think james even tom gunn. cruise J- james gunn but even like tom cruise was like this movie's good and it's yes. like well, what is going on Why are we being uh, lied to? and it wasn't i no. mean it wasn't i mean it wasn't as bad as I, it was soulless in a lot of places mm-hmm. i think there were bones to an okay movie this was a bad movie it was very disappointing especially with the whiplash of oh no this might be really good actually yes it's not yep hyped it up way too much yeah um wish you know it was supposed to be like this crown jewel of disney's 100 year um 100 years of animation like there's supposed to be like the banger a lot of easter eggs a lot of references in here but it just ends up being just fine, you know, kind of a paint by numbers Disney story, mm-hmm. not really anything that makes it stand out. You'll probably forget about it in a couple of years, maybe not even a year. So that was a little disappointing just from that perspective. And then finally, The Exorcist Believer, just another horror legacy sequel by David Gordon Green that I guess we should have expected to be kind of bad. But, you know, The Exorcist was like, you know, nominated for an Oscar. There have been lots of sequels that have been pretty decent. And it looked promising. It has the bones there as well, but it just doesn't get it done yeah. either. So, yeah. What are you, which, which way are you leaning here? I feel personally, I'm leaning Dial of Destiny as of right now. I think Maybe so. Maybe Cocaine Bear. I would go either Dial of Destiny or The Flash, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think Dial of Destiny, like, like when I left the theater, I just didn't, I, fe- I didn't really feel anything. You know, yeah. like, which is, which was a bummer. Like the emotional chords didn't really hit for an indie movie. And, and yeah, I just expected that to be way better. So my brain broke when you said indie movie, because I was like, what? And I was this like, oh, little it picture, is an indie movie, I yeah. guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'm fine with doing that. Let's give it to Dial of Destiny. Sweet. Cool. Moving on to the positives with Ooh. actual golden od- golden odies is yes. the best sequel prequel franchise movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nominees are Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, John Wick Chapter 4, and Creed 3. Yeah. So we alluded to it a little earlier, but Felt like where the superhero movies failed, this is where these other franchises got to shine. Yeah. I thought all these were like excellent this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Across the Spider-Verse was I mean, we disagree on if it's better or better than the first one. I think it is just like a an incredible feat of animation mm-hmm. and also expands upon the story. Really great stuff. Guardians three was a good capstone on that story. There was like emotional, it's the outlier in the superhero genre this year, yeah. I would say. Um, definitely an emotional capstone on that story, and like I wasn't expecting to cry for the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I and it's got it's, emotional. It's very sad. Um, it is. Animal cruelty, I think, just bumps people out in general. <laughs> it's true. It's um, we talked about Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning this year. Um, just 
excellent. That's like an almost a hundred percent track record for that franchise. Yeah. Like there's not a bad movie in the bunch. I would say I um, would. the second one. That's true. It's not very good. <laughs> um, John Wick chapter four, just, I don't really know the story of these movies anymore, but the, it's just with these action sequences are just incredible and the, mm-hmm. just remarkable stuff. So that also is here. And then Creed three, which was a cool new direction for this Creed franchise with Creed two is a little, not great. Like I would say probably a little disappointing, but Michael mm-hmm. B. Jordan directing um, Jonathan Major's baggage aside. It's a really interesting <laughs> character. Yeah. Um, this might, I don't know, this might lower in our estimation as we grow, but really cool filmmaking choices there and in Creed three. So yeah, this would be a toss up for me. I could give this to, to anybody in this category. The, yeah. So for me, this is kind of tough because I feel like Mission Impossible is one of the higher up movies for me this year. Like I really loved it. I don't think it's the best sequel where mm-hmm. I feel like you're looking back at the other movies. Like it, it tries to build like going into the movie. If you haven't seen the other movies, you would, you would feel like this is building off of the past lore and like the villain is like not tied to anything that we've seen. And it Very kind of point. implies that you should know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And like they've had like 10, 15 years to do these movies. I'm sure you could pull something back or like tie something in a little bit through mm-hmm. like a retcon or or something. Um, Very fair. And it was kind of an interesting way. And I don't know. And it is kind of funny too that it is like this part one movie. And I think they've gone back on that now even. And it's like going to be retitled like the second one potentially. Uh, unsure. Like the part two. Unclear. Yeah. But yeah. So I don't know that that's kind of interesting. Um, going to across the Spider Verse, this is also really high up there. I don't know if it like did what I needed it to do for the sequel. I still loved it. I don't think it's as good as the original. But coming to Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Volume Three, I feel like it, like you said, was like the perfect capstone for for this trilogy. And it kind of just got all the characters where I needed them to be, and it was really mm-hmm. heartfelt. And it was really sad. But like, and the, I thought it was great. I thought the writing was really solid. I don't know. I think this is going to be a tough category for me to pick. I'm going to definitely like, be leaning. It made me you. like Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> like I wasn't annoyed by him. So yeah. yeah, I think to your point, you make a good point about Mission Impossible and also like across the Spider-Verse as well. Kind of a stepping stone to mm-hmm. a larger thing. Um, I think I would lean Guardians, honestly, because it, so too. the finality of it which I think is good because everything else is kind of, I guess there's a finality to John wick or at least there was spoiler sure. alert. He dies. <gasps> um, but, but I don't know. Then there, then after that, there's been talks that like, Oh, he's coming back. So <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of, there's a spinoff next year too. So there's things going on there. Well, there's Creed a three. show also that didn't do well. The continental. Yeah. 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 So if there's that, there's going to be another Creed movie. So, I think in terms of Guardians, it seems like the one that's like laid to rest for now. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something special about that, like ending things, quote unquote. So um, I would give it to Guardians, I think. I think so, too. Let's lock that in. Beautiful. Um, we'll move on to production design. Sure. Beautiful. Let me read the nominees for you. You've been doing a lot of work, and I'm going to let you, you riff. Um, we have a production design category. Our nominees are Asteroid City. Barbie, Poor Things, Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and Killers of the Flower Moon. What are your thoughts on these? I originally wanted to do this category 
to shine light on how awesome Asteroid City is. Yes. And how I feel like people just aren't talking about Asteroid City anymore, which kind of sucks. I feel it's like it came and went. Um, I got to it late, but I was happy to get to it. I don't even remember where I watched it. I think I streamed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know either. I, don't know I watched, it watched it legally. I know that. Peacock? I don't remember where I watched it. Maybe, no, I don't have Peacock anymore. Oh. Um, Not that anyways, one. so I streamed that and it was really good. Yeah, it just and, came out so long ago, like in the summer, yeah. like May, I think it came out. So, and it opened up against like Elemental and and things like that. So yeah, yeah, kind of was hidden, I would say. But like the design of this movie, and it's Wes Anderson, so like maybe it's not a shock that it's going to be beautiful looking. Mm-hmm. But personally, I think this is one of my favorite looking uh, Wes Anderson movies. I just would totally like, agree. Yeah, the, they they nailed this aesthetic of like postcard. Like it looks like a postcard that you would send home from like someone on mm-hmm. a road trip. It's just like the blues are so blue, the oranges are so are so bright too, and it's just such a beautiful movie. And then it cuts to like again like the theater stuff, and it goes into this black and white style. Um, it utilizes like a lot of like the stagecraft and like the city aesthetic, and and all mm-hmm. that just works a lot for me. Yeah, I like this category was created for a Wes Anderson movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that, you know, we talked about Barbie when it came out, like the way they designed all these buildings to scale yeah. in the Barbie world. Very impressive. Um Poor Things is really unlike anything I've seen just mm-hmm. in terms of world building. Really zany and fantastical and, and whimsical from Yorgos Lanthimos and the team. Hunger Games, um just cool to kind of expand upon that world. I would say of Pan Am a little bit, especially mm-hmm. I would say in the first two thirds of the movie. Um, first third, I don't really c- give a care about tremendously in terms of production design. Um, and then Killers of the Flower Moon is just, just Scorsese just going to town like this production design. And it's like the, with Asteroid City too, like they built these towns, like they yeah. went there, they did the thing and boots on the ground. So it's a pretty tough, pretty tough category here as well i would say but yeah i do want to shout out barbie for doing like the to scale with all of the like actual mattel toys and so like the they margot robbie's height is like equivalent to a barbie so they just build everything around the barbies like scaled up and so like all the houses and cars and pools and all that stuff is is just kind of cool to see come to life on the screen yeah pretty beautiful so what are you feeling for me, I think it's a tie between Asteroid City and Barbie. So I'd let you be a final decision on that if if that's what you're leaning. That is where that's also where I'm I would I would throw poor things in there to be considered as well. Sure, but I, sure. I think I think just because I don't think it's gonna get any love at the Academy, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna ride for Asteroid City. Yeah. Just I I would yeah. be shocked if it won um this year. I don't know if it's even going to be nominated just because it yeah. came out so long ago. And the you talk have like, is slow for sure. And you've got like Barbie and Poor Things and Killers that are almost assuredly going to be there. And I think the other two are kind of up for debate for like best picture people. But I don't know. We'll see what goes on there. But yeah, I'm fine giving that to Asteroid City. Power to Wes. Love it. Let's move on then to uh, special and practical effects. Our nominees are Godzilla minus one. The Creator, Oppenheimer, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Thoughts, Jackson? 
Yeah, the first thing I wanted to talk about is we did make it a practical and special effects category just because I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, one, it got snubbed on like the hair and makeup shortlist, right? Like it's probably not going get, to get yeah. nominated, um, which is crazy considering how much special effects makeup went into creating all these like town citizens or like the animal faces. Totally. And they just did a lot in that. And I think I think that's like kind of um, a shame. Stupid. that that might not get a nomination so wanted to shout it out i don't know if it's my go-to pick out of these because honestly mine. like dungeons and dragons was pretty fun and good and y- utilized some stuff for some interesting like sequences and creative ways mm-hmm. um i'm specifically thinking of like the character who could turn into all those animals in that montage where they're like running around the, the town doing the heists like that yeah. was really cool that was fun um the creator had like a very unique style and i think that was kind of the appeal of the entire movie was look how cool this looks and it's like a unique concept yeah it's pretty gorgeous yeah i still haven't seen godzilla minus one which is like the big one that i wish i want to see i want to see like so bad came out of Um, nowhere yeah i'll let you speak on that obviously yeah i mean just breathtaking first and foremost that this they did not have like you know a marvel budget or anything like that Mm -hmm. like a really practical budget and Godzilla looks like terrifying. There's like a sequence where kind of akin to Jaws where, you know, Godzilla's chasing them in a boat and like, it just looks so real. Cause it, it just feels practical, even though mm-hmm. it's not looks really real. The Godzilla sequences in this movie are like jaw dropping. I think my perception of it is also enhanced cause I saw it in Dolby digital. So that also is leaning That's hard cool. in my uh, estimation, but and then you have, obviously, we have Oppenheimer, which isn't the special CGI effects that you're probably used to in this category, but the practicality of, you know, all of these sequences of, like, what's going on in the bomb that we see scattered throughout, and then also the Trinity test, obviously, recreating the atomic blast, which we talked about forever. How are they going to do that? Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of uh, kind of different um, effects here. I would say. And yeah, I don't know definitely like a wide range. I, I would, am very, yeah, I'll let you say who you think should get it first. I think either, I think either Godzilla, well, I'm leaning Godzilla, but what would you say? You haven't uh, seen Godzilla. I haven't seen it, but if you're passionate about it, we can lock it in, buddy. What do you, what, did, tell me your thought though. Uh, my other thing was Oppenheimer probably. Okay. For me. Yeah. Also agree just because I think that is being that's off the short list for visual yeah. effects as well mm-hmm. at the Oscars. So also pretty egregious. I don't think Oppenheim I don't think Godzilla minus one is going to get any more love in the Golden Odies. So I think Let's we should give it, give to, it to it. I love it. Shout out. And yeah, check that out. I don't know where that'll be. Maybe Max feels like a Max. I want to watch it as soon as I can. So I'm sure it has not soon. been anywhere around me, which is pretty disappointing. There was a poster for it in Bloomington. Really? Um, I don't know if it's actually showing here, but there was a poster for it. So hmm. who's to say? Maybe at like the IU cinema? Maybe. I feel like it wouldn't play at the 12, but I, I don't could know, be wrong. The 11's dead. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, great. Let's uh, move on then to most underrated slash pleasantly surprising slash little scene movie of the year. Uh, the nominees are Bottoms, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Theater Camp, no hard feelings and are you there god it's me margaret um 
We've seen all of these. You both, you mm-hmm. and I have seen both all of these. Yeah. Uh, what are what are your thoughts here? All of these are I enjoyed every single one of these this year. Yeah, I, and you know it's tough because there is one, there's two in particular where I was thinking it wasn't going to be good, uh, and that is uh, no hard feelings, just because it's it is kind of like this era of raunchy comedy that doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the most emotional or like breathtaking movie you've ever seen, but it, it gets it it gets in, it gets out, it knows what it is. Definitely. And it's got a movie star at the center. Jennifer Lawrence is crazy good in it. It's mm-hmm. so fun to see her do like comedy. Yeah. Like this is definitely like one of her strengths. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. And then Dungeons and Dragons is so interesting to me because I think everyone thought it was going to be terrible. Um, just because it like it had Dungeons and Dragons as this IP, but like people were concerned that they weren't going to treat it right or do. And honestly, the movie didn't even really use Dungeons and Dragons in like a way that you would imagine it being tied in. Like you'd think you'd cut to like a tabletop game and see like yeah. maybe this is like a group of friends game that they're playing. But no, it was just kind of like this fantasy story. Mm-hmm. Um, that did I don't know that is kind of weird that it had that like IP tag to it. Yeah, like but. I mean, as someone who does, I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, and I went in and had an awesome time. So yeah, I think that speaks to like the the power of it. Like I didn't get lost in any lore mm-hmm. mumbo jumbo or anything. Like I was I was with them the whole time. Um, and then I I feel like I mean these other ones are kind of smaller indie dar- theater camp was definitely kind of an indie darling I would say, <laughs> um, but it was but like it was awesome. Like it was a packed theater when I saw it, so maybe it wasn't little scene. It's on Hulu now, but it was mm-hmm. a really fun time. And I think people maybe thought it was going to be not great because of I don't know. I think like we have a lot of Ben Platt baggage right now with Dear Evan Hansen stuff and like <laughs> ne- Nepo baby allegations and all these all this stuff. But I had a genuinely just really good time with this one. It's the same for Bottoms, although mm. I I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of people saw it still. Or, how, or coming around to it, but mm-hmm. just a really fun time and really not what I was expecting at all when I went in. And so it kind of shocked yeah. me in that regard, like just being kind of a, a satire, which was a really, really fun. And then Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret was one of my favorite movies of the year. Like just it was great. A lot of heart in this movie, uh, really great mother daughter bond. So yeah, there's a lot of great choices here. I, I'm going to revert to you here i'm gonna let you be the the swaying opinion well i feel like i i i thought are you there goddess me margaret was gonna be good like it had really good like the edge of 17 director Mm -hmm. um and i mean bottoms was just like such a weird concept that i was just on board instantly and like marshawn lynch was like just the chair on top which was pretty great Mm mm-hmm uh, I feel like I'm weirdly leaning Dungeons and Dragons on this, but I'm really curious what what you'd rather pick. I have no problem with that because once again, like, so our buddy Jeff drafted this in our dr- mm-hmm. draft, and we thought he was a fool. Like, he, I think it was a wild yeah. card pick for him. Like, it was really low in the draft for him. Low, yeah. And um, and yeah, and then it just like pleasantly surprised. I think critics loved it. I think audiences loved it. Um, yeah, it definitely surprised me in that regard. Also, Tiny Bradley Cooper. So I am, <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. Let's give it to Dungeons and Dragons then. Sweet. 
Uh, moving on to the film Twitter meme slash memorable moment award. Yeah. Um, I guess some of these, I guess, could technically be a squeaker if you think about it, uh, depending on what the we'll see who the wins. moment is. Yeah. Um, the nominees are Barbenheimer, Eras Tour, The Strike, the WGA Strike, and the Writer Strike or the Actor Strike. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. The Marty Hive, Marty Scorsese, and the Flash movie Hate. Um, yes. Lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say... Like I said, this is kind of yeah. the era of... Uh, the strike, I think, was a huge part of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, just as far as, like, you know, promotions and kind of class consciousness and talking about, like, the the future of movies with AI. And it's definitely one of the most important parts of the year. Definitely. However... I do feel like Barbenheimer is the defining moment of 2023. I would, I would agree. You know, you have like, yes, the Eras tour. When we talk to say Eras tour, we're mainly talking like the Eras tour movie. Cause we're talking about the yeah. film moment. So obviously the Eras tour, mm-hmm. like that's ever, that's ongoing saga. If we see Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, they're still on tour. Like we see all that still the Eras tour specifically is just like the little girls running around in a circle uh, akin to midsummer. Um, Taylor Lautner doing gymnastics routines in the job. theater. Someone as well. give that guy a job. Um, <laughs> I would agree with you. Barbenheimer was, you know, the story of the summer. It obviously yeah. it lingered far out of the summer as well, and kind of was like, wow, movies are like back in a big, big way. Everyone was yeah. talking about it. Like, I don't think you would need. And a just such a like positive. Either. Yeah, and yeah, just like a positive way of uplifting two movies instead of like being like this one's better than this one. Uh-huh. It's like no, like we're seeing both and we're having a good time at the movies. Mm-hmm. And like the people tried to make like other people tried to make like Saw Patrol a thing. Like people were trying to make it like double feature. You can't worthy. force it. It's it's an organic moment. It's very organic. That rarely happens. Very organic. Lightning um, in a bottle for sure. Just to speak quickly on the Marty Scorsese hive, um, his daughter filming him on TikTok, doing a bunch of like picking the movie things, talking about his movies, lots of fun stuff, just kind of getting a glimpse into their lives, which was really fun. And then the flash hate, which again, we kind of mentioned um, quite just a, like a lot of lore for our podcast too. Yes. Of explaining like all the crimes that Ezra Miller was committing mm-hmm. along uh, the production. And so it's kind of interesting to see all that, like come to Go a, conclusion i suppose but um yeah a cap- i think more of a capstone is... for us yeah yeah totally totally had to uh, give it a nom in that way i i agree with you i think barbenheimer is the clear the clear winner here just at the, that moment and we're still kind of living in it so i agree beautiful Sweet. so that's an oldie that's not a squeaker that's a golden oldie <laughs> all right uh moving on to the best scene in a drama film, uh, we have the Trinity Test for Oppenheimer. We have the Leonard Bernstein conducting for Maestro. We have the bench sequence for Barbie. We have the see you then moment in past lives. And we have the kitchen fight scene in Anatomy of a Fall. Eclectic eclectic uh, selection here by us. I'm proud yeah. of us here. Uh, we talked about the Trinity Test already just 
very jaw-dropping sequence on the mm-hmm. edge of your seat for however long that lasts when you're in the theater. Just really amazing. Some yeah. of the best sound in in the entire year of, of filming. Yeah. So just like the use of silence and oh it's yeah. it's very stressful. And for something that you like, you know what's gonna happen. Like you know the outcome. Mm-hmm. And like it's not gonna go wrong per se. Like you know what's gonna happen, but still it's just so intense. The the way they built that up was incredible. Um I can speak on Leonard Bernstein conducting. Um he's conducting this um this orchestral piece in this church. Uh, I think it's a Mahler piece for all those Mahler mm-hmm. heads out there. Um just this one shot of Bradley Cooper as Leonard Bernstein just conducting, doing all the mannerisms that Leonard Bernstein would do. And he's sweating and he's like, it's just so like that it's transporting the sound of it all and just the performance and the passion behind it. So I had to throw it in here. It was really truly some magical stuff that I watched. Um, Speak on the bench sequence for Barbie. Yeah. The bench sequence uh, for those who don't know is a scene where Barbie's sitting on a bench uh, next to an old woman and she just kind of has this moment of feeling a part of womanhood. Uh, she turns to her and says she's beautiful. And she's like, I know. And it's just like this really, really sweet moment as she's watching like little girls like play at this park. And it is just a very heartfelt uh, moment. And I was I was very glad to see it in theaters. Abby cried uh, mm-hmm. while we watched it, which is like just a little cherry on top, I guess, for ex- the experience, I guess, was like feeling in, in the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, had to shout it out. Beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. A movie you just watched this week. Uh, this this conclusion of the film, Past Lives, um, where yeah. these two characters, these two people, are saying goodbye to each other, and just the tension and the lack of sound and being in this space with these two people as one leaves back to their their home and the other one stays. Just a really powerful scene. Um, yeah, and it, it's the kind of like the 2023 version of uh, where everything everywhere was like in another life. I'd love to just do taxes and laundry with you. Mm-hmm. And this is like talking about like who knows what we could have been in these other lives and who knows, maybe we'll be waiting for each other in another life and then it ends with see you then. And it is the saddest, oh, just just heart-wrenching stuff. And you never, it, there's so much tension with it too because truthfully at any moment i was like she could leave for him and i would get it 100 Mm percent. like and there's just yeah there's a lot in in that moment and the dialogue specifically is just excellent quite something uh and then finally from anatomy of a fall this kitchen fight scene uh this woman's on trial uh they think that they she killed her husband and there's a voice Mm -hmm. memo recording that the husband recorded secretly because he was working on a a book project per se and Mm -hmm. was recording moments in life. And there's this fight between the two of them in the kitchen and just really powerful, like almost relatable fight about like talking about how like someone is bettering the other is one up to the other person in a relationship and just really visceral stuff. Like um, you watched it more recently than I did. If you wanted to add anything to that, but just a really powerful scene. Yeah. It's just a really tense, really solid, solid scene. Yeah. Um, so what are you thinking here? For me, I feel like the Trinity test is kind of like, 
the, the biggest scene out of all of these. Not necessarily the most important scene, but like as far as like an event and and tension and I don't know. I feel like the Trinity test for me would yeah. get my vote. I think it was highly anticipated and it followed through in, in yeah. spades. So I, I would agree. I think Trinity test takes it because man, what a scene. And so much of the marketing was around this test too. Like this was kind of, and what's interesting too is like once they do it, you're, you're kind of like, all right, I guess the movie's wrapping up soon. And it kind of takes like this whole other turn. Um, It kind of takes you down like the court aspect of it a little bit more too. Oh yeah. You got another hour left after that. Yeah. You know? Like it's still rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, really powerful stuff. Uh, let's move on to best stunts, which the Academy yeah. should have. Uh, mm-hmm. Our nominees are the motorcycle jump from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the staircase fight scene from John Wick Chapter 4, the parade chase scene in Dial of Destiny, the Florida Man fight in The Killer, and the final Creed fight from Creed 3. Some good stuff here. I like the Dial Destinies on here, even though we talked that like we just wanted more <laughs> from it. Um, yeah, that was a just a cool sequence, like you know something you don't really see, like riding the horse through a parade. A horse and... in a subway, it's crazy, man. It's cool. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, we haven't mentioned the killer yet. Um, yeah, Florida Florida man fight scene was really cool, really brutal. Um, uh, between Michael Fassbender's character and this other character in this house. Just a nice hand-to-hand combat scene, which was really mm-hmm. cool. The sound design in that scene is really fun as well. Really good. Um, we talked a little bit about Creed Three. Um, this final fight scene is just like really shot like, um, I guess more so. I'm thinking about the way it's shot, as opposed to the fight choreography. So I think I'm gonna immediately eliminate it. But the uh, the anime kind of inspirations of Michael B. Jordan yeah. filming these scenes were really cool. Um. I think our our battles are between these top two top two scenes, I would think. Yeah. Um I I feel like personally the Mission Impossible stunts are like such a like draw for the movie. Like it is kind of like marketing in it in of itself. Like mm-hmm. whenever we whenever I saw Avatar in IMAX, which was like really fun. Uh, getting to see like all the promo on the IMAX screen for the behind the scenes jump. And we see him doing the jumps. Like before yeah. I watch this other movie, it's like, man, I just want to go see that one now. Like it, it like they do such a good job and he, he's going to die doing that. One of those movies one day. Yes. And like, that's just something we have to prepare for. We've, he we've like, he's going to die on the set of a movie. We've come um, to terms with that. Yeah. And I think we should just keep rewarding that because that's awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I think I I think I mean it's between John Wick and Mission Impossible. I'm fine giving it to Mission Impossible, yeah. but I just want to say like the also the appeal of John Wick, the whole marketing is like what crazy stone are they going to pull off this time too? And they yeah they deliver for sure. But yeah, we got to keep rewarding Tom Cruise and keep rewarding Keanu too. Like these two are definitely keeping like action mm-hmm. stars alive in their middle age slash latter years of their life so props to them but yeah i'm i would love to give it to motorcycle jump because again that was like the draw to get people in the seats to watch this guy actually do yeah so tremendous stuff wonderful uh next which also i do want to say really quick Mm -hmm. the way that it ends that scene ends kind of as like like a gag when he like flies through the train insane like he's Uh, yeah 
it, I was kind of shocked that like they did it as like a bit at the end of it too. Like so unceremonious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, which is not something you would expect Tom Cruise to be into, but like My he did, it, did it. And I thought that was pretty cool. What a guy. Um, and just the stunts in general in that movie were so so great too. Like mm-hmm. the car chase sequence was like really fun. Like that movie is just off the walls. Like pretty so much good. Fun. Pretty good. Um moving on to best animated movie. The nominees are Super Mario Bros, Elemental, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, The Boy and the Heron, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say, um, I don't think this year animation has been as good as last year's animation movies, I, I would say. But, yeah. like, you know, Super Mario Brothers was fun, but there wasn't any, like, you know, deeper themes or messages underneath it other than here's some IP and here's our characters playing Mario Kart. Look, they're on Rainbow Road. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, but not a whole lot going on there, but wanted to acknowledge that like that was made a butt ton of money and it was definitely a big moment in the culture. Um, Elemental, the Pixar movie from this year. A lot of good messages in there. I, I like the uh, kind of the immigrant story that's kind of underlying in there, yeah. which is, which is, which is very nice. the, it seems like a really basic story that like they haven't gone to like elements. Like I'm surprised it's taken this far to like kind of do a story about fire yeah, and water that's being true. together. Mm-hmm. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem was just a lot of fun, and yeah, definitely a product of Spider Verse kind of paving the way of that animation style. I would totally. say it's definitely different, but it's definitely but they also made it their own. Yeah. yeah, so I love how like intentionally ugly and like not symmetrical a lot of the stuff is and yeah it's like it's it's pretty fun it's like claymation slash spider-verse like there's like a there's a a vibe to it that's like kind of feels like it's messy for sure it's messy unapologetically which is great um the boy and the heron which we talked about two weeks ago um Mm -hmm. floored us we enjoyed that a lot and then across the spider-verse which we also talked about a couple months ago um also just a, a banger so I think a pretty good lineup here. It would be down to the top two for me, I would say. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what you think the like the Academy is going to do, like as far as rewards, because I was shocked that Into the Spider-Verse won when it did, and I was super mm. happy for it. I almost feel like I don't want it to win this time around, because I feel like that's like kind of like the obvious pick. Yeah. And I, I feel like the boy in the heron was just kind of... I don't know, just like a really interesting experience for me personally. I loved having like a Miyazaki film in theaters that I got to go see, which was really fun. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's definitely between those two. I feel like, I feel like it might be. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I would have told you Spider Verse had it locked up, but now I think it is kind of a tight yeah. battle. I think if we see Spider Verse pop up and like score or anything like that as well, then maybe that is a but definite, like this is going to win it. The boy in the heron isn't yeah. going to pop up in international feature or anything like that because Japan's already picked theirs. Um, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. I'm leaning towards across the spider verse will win it, but I'm happy for our golden Odies to give it to the boy in the heron. I'm happy, totally happy with that. If you want to do that, I'll let, I'll let you decide. I think across the spider verse is a better animation. True. But- but that that's not like necessarily it is tough because I guess like 
a lot of the technical aspects are tied along with the story being weighed. I think the story mm-hmm. of the boy and the heron was better, but I think the animation of Spider-Verse was just insane. Ooh. Let's give it to Spider-Verse. All right. Beautiful. But shout out boy and the heron. We love you. Wonderful. Um, moving on to best breakout performance. We have Abby Ryder Fortson in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Dominic Sessa in The Holdovers. Ayo Edebiri for Bottoms, Mutant Mayhem, and Theater Camp. Uh, Andrew Barth Feldman in No Hard Feelings. And Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla. First mention of Priscilla here on the pod. And also, mm-hmm. I guess, The Holdovers. Um, what are your thoughts here? We've seen... You haven't seen Priscilla. Um, I haven't seen Priscilla yet. Um, definitely a breakout performance for sure. She kind of carries that movie. Jacob Elordi is there in the wings, but I'm excited to see what she does going forward. I don't think, although she carries the movie, I, I think uh, I just like a lot of these other performances a little more. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I think if you're looking at all three, uh, all for the other people too, I just think objectively AO has had the best year just Definitely. i mean she was in like a ton of movies but also like the bear as well mm-hmm. um yeah i but dominic sessa has like a really fun story of being at the school that like the holdovers takes place in and they kind of discovered him and threw him in there and mm-hmm. abby Ryder fortson she's just so cute and i just love her i think she's gonna do a lot of fun stuff if she stays in in the acting game mm-hmm. um her performance was just one of my favorite coming of age performances just hands down definitely and then the andrew bart just to speak on andrew barth feldman yeah. as well like obviously you know he came from theater came from broadway played evan hansen on broadway mm-hmm. um just really kind of the heart of a movie that of a raunchy comedy and that's really hard to do so he was wonderful yeah and enjoyed his presence um but yeah for me it's either dominic sessa or io edibiri because just those are the definitions of a breakout year io definitely has the volume for sure i think i want to go io i mean that's objectively seems like the right answer yeah like she's great uh if we if you if you're gonna make us do it for a specific performance i'll do it for bottoms because i think she is just on fire and bottoms yeah that's definitely her best best role for sure um moving on to best digital performance we have robert pattinson for the boy and the heron Bradley Cooper for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Haley Steinfeld for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Ice Cube for TMNT Mutant Mayhem, Woo. and Jack Black for the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, baby. Um so I'll start with I'll start at the bottom with with Jack Black. Just has been really fun watching him just on the campaign trail singing peaches everywhere he goes. <laughs> and then the shortlist came out and Peaches did not make the shortlist cut for best original <laughs> song. So I, I'm happy guy. with that. I, I don't, it'll show up. I, I feel like there's going to be a live performance of it regardless, regardless. <laughs> and I don't want that, but that's, that's all right. Hey, we don't have a host yet. I don't think, no, we do. I think it's Kimmel again. Um, who Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, I don't, I don't care for that. <laughs> I think he said um, Kim Mulligan. And I was like, who the hell is Kim? You Mulligan? don't know Kim Mulligan. Bro. <laughs> Um, Ice Cube was just fun. I always enjoy hearing Ice Cube's voice and 
him playing what is Superfly? Yeah, plays? Superfly. He says Molly Wap a lot, and I think that's pretty funny. Love that. Um, Haley Steinfeld, I think, is kind of the heart of Across the Spider Verse mm-hmm. this year. Um, her story is definitely very interesting and definitely kind of carries the weight of the story. Yeah. I think it's between the top two here that we have here. Um, yeah, Bradley Cooper and Robert Pattinson. I will say Bradley Cooper did not voice Young Rocket. That was Sean. That was Sean Gunn. So maybe Robert Pattinson edges out and just because of that. I'm happy to do that. I think yeah. these are two performances where I mean, Robert Pattinson, for the most part, more so than Bradley Cooper, but people that definitely just altered their voice a little bit yeah. and actually made it a character as opposed to kind of doing just their own thing. Their so own thing. Robert Pattinson, though, was transformative. You couldn't watch that movie and say that was Robert Pattinson if you didn't know. <laughs> it was so, amazing. It's great. So the boy in the heron getting some love after all. Wonderful. Um, great. Moving on to best supporting performance. We have not, we didn't gender this, just best supporting performance. We have Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers, Ryan Gosling in Barbie, Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon, and Rachel McAdams for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. What do you think about this? This was definitely tough. We had some yeah. trouble narrowing this down to five. Mm hmm. Um, I I do like Rachel McAdams a lot. I think if she got an Oscar nom, that'd be really cool. Awesome. I think it's possible. Um, They're pushing. Robert, yeah, Robert De Niro had a really interesting performance in Killers of the Flower Moon that I did not expect to like as much as I did just because, you know, older De Niro in a Scorsese thing usually isn't my cup of tea. Like, they kind of go a different route for not his character. Not a big Irishman guy over there. Yeah. No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, not Not my thing, per se. But he was doing a lot in this really sinister role that also was played so like I guess like I don't know it's interesting seeing like monsters with a smile on their face um, through a movie and he just did that really well and I found Mm -hmm. that to be really interesting Um, Ryan Gosling has been having such a moment this year Mm -hmm. with the Barbie movie almost to the point where it frustrates me where he's taking away some of the spotlight of like (laughs) you know like Celebrating like, the women, I guess, but like they just released four new versions of I'm just Ken. Did you see yeah. that? There's like a Christmas version. There's like all the they just released a bunch of those. So they're campaigning hard. They're trying to get that yeah. Oscar for for him. And I get it. He's great. He's mm-hmm. fantastic. I don't think this is his career defining movie. Um, but no. it seems like people are treating it like that's the case. Um, but he was he was really great. Um Devine Joy Great uh Devine Joy Randolph uh, for the holdovers was so great i feel like, like i'm quietly powerful yes yeah. i kind of feel like i'm leaning her right now over uh, robert, robert downey jr is really good too i feel like this is gonna be a, i feel like especially for the oscars like the the supporting like um supporting actors actor. yeah. is gonna be a really tight category definitely um whereas i feel like she will have randolph will just have like kind of a i, I imagine a clean sweep she's been um, sweeping all the early yeah awards thus far i'm fine giving it to her if 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 you want to mm. he's debating folks i am debating thinking very hard who are you between are you between two i'm kind of between gosling again i did really oh like you gosling. sold yourself you talked yourself <laughs> into it i was just watching barbie actually today it was on TV. oh really I just i had it on um he's really good he's really good who are you leaning uh, for me, it's 
I'm kind of between RDJ and Joy Randolph. Mm. Let's split the difference and just go Joy Randolph. Joy Randolph. Love it. <laughs> Beautiful. But we're going to see, but I think we're going to see either one of these people win. win. And either of those three. Yeah. But I don't know. Charles Melton's pushing hard. This May, December wave mm-hmm. is, is real. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, next, we have best lead performance. Again, yeah. didn't, didn't gender this. All men and women mixed in here. We have Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Greta Lee for Past Lives. Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. And Emma Stone for Poor Things. Mm-hmm. Big snubs here, obviously. A lot of big names not on the board. Yeah. What do you think? I'm so upset I haven't seen Poor Things yet, so I just got to throw that out there. I love sure. Emma Stone. Uh, can you talk about her performance a little bit, how you felt? Yes. Um, my review of this movie was just like, what a year for women at the movies. Like, mm-hmm. Emma Stone puts this movie on her her back and kind of starts kind of as this Frankenstein, kind of like this Frankenstein figure, just like this woman, like discovering what the world is and what it does to a woman and, and to people in general, what what impact others have on it, and slowly discovers like the joy of, of, of living and not having to... Uh, rely on the good fortune of others and, and things like that. Just a really powerful um, movie and performance. And she, the character arc of her character is like not, there's not a lot of times you can see the thread of like this person started here and they changed dramatically exponentially here. So Emma Stone does that and in spades and really carries that movie. So yeah. I think it's a battle, at least for the Oscars talk that we'll get to. I think Lily, it's a battle between Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone for that lead actress Oscar. Battle of the Stones. Indeed. Oh, man. Has anyone written that article yet? Boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, we you can talk about the Lily Stone Gladstone. Age. That's oh, what it is, what it is right there. Come on. I can't wait to see a variety article titled that. Incredible. <laughs> Um, do you want to talk on Lily Gladstone? Cause you just watched her yesterday. Yeah. She was such an like, cause I was really curious what her performance was going to be just because everyone was hyping it up going into it. Mm-hmm. And she was so subdued at the same time too. Like her character is just so quiet mm-hmm. and so grief stricken, but again, like suffering so quietly in a way that like is really fascinating to watch. Um, she has a lot of like, you know, like, scenes where like they'd throw it up for like the Oscar like whenever they read the nominations like they'd play the scene Oscar I feel really? like she has a lot like I don't even know what they would pick but she's like wailing she's sick she's playing like really quiet and confident mm-hmm. and it's the heart of that story yeah yeah um yeah this movie is on, on the back of her too I feel like you can't have uh and honestly like did uh DiCaprio is doing a lot in that too. And he is playing a really fascinating character who is like very confident in his lies. And like, she doesn't seem to suspect for such a long time, but yeah, the scene of them wherever they're like kind of having this confrontation and she's, she's like, did you put anything like, what were you giving me? Like, what are you injecting into me? And he's, he doesn't own up to it. And she kind of just walks away and leaves him. And she's just great. Um, I, I really liked her performance. I do also want to, throw my hat in the ring for Greta Lee for past mm-hmm. lives because, Oh my God, this movie changed my brain chemistry, I think. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of that has to do with her. Um, Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. She was, 
maybe one of my favorite performances of the year personally just um, so steadfast like it's yeah just, yeah and then yeah, yeah it's just amazing stuff and there her two co-leads surrounding her is yeah incredible every, well, yeah to... everyone is doing so good he's mm-hmm. in the big short by the way i was like i've seen him before and john mcgarrow yeah yeah um he's great a d- way different character um totally <laughs> yeah but yeah it was it was fun to see him again mm-hmm. i love that whole cast um Obviously, Killian is here. I think is probably maybe the front runner. I don't know. It's kind of between. There's like a Bradley Cooper wave going on right now for Maestro, right. um, but I still think Killian is the front runner for the best actor category. Um, obviously, this the movie is totally centered on him, and we see the whole story from his perspective. So definitely a powerful character. And then Paul Giamatti, just the comfort movie of the year, I would think. Yeah. Um, he just tremendous. Um, you sir are the human embodiment of penis cancer. Now, if he's nominated, that's the Oscar clip. <laughs> um, man. So, what do you think? I'm on. I'm leaning towards any of the three women in this category. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel like Gladstone deserves mm-hmm. it the most. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm happy to go there with you. Yeah. Um, not a not a bad performance there. Mm-hmm. You have to tell me once you see poor things. You can just tell me off the record yeah. if you are sticking to your guns on your assessment, because I think it's a really close race. So. It's a re- and personally, Greta Lee, Greta Lee might be my favorite, but yeah, Gladstone's just doing a lot more in a very long movie. That's yes, you know, talking on something pretty interesting, and yeah, I don't know. I think Gladstone deserves it. Any of them deserve it. Deserve a real Oscar as well. Um, not that ours isn't real. They'll be getting a gold note in the mail, of course. Check your mailbox. Check your P.O. box. <laughs> Give us your emails. Oh, man. Beautiful. Let's move to the final category, Jackson. Best movie. Woo. And the nominees are Past Lives, Oppenheimer, Barbie, The Holdovers, Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, Anatomy of a Fall, May, December, the Iron Claw and Maestro. Hell yeah. Let me speak on the ones that aren't going to win. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the three that I've seen that you, that I don't think that you haven't, or yeah. the three bottom ones here we have on here. Maestro, I think, will show up in the Oscar race. I think it'll get nominated, but it's really just impressive just for the feat of Bradley Cooper. And I just am enjoying loving his directing style. And I'm excited to see what he does next. But it's mainly for the those performances of him and Carrie Mulligan working off of each other is some really good stuff. Um, the iron claw. I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did, um, but just a really heartfelt and really tragic story. And these performances are awesome. And a lot of um, themes of like what our parents give to us and a lot of powerful stuff. And there's a zinger at the very end of the movie where you'll be like, Oh God, that hurt. So it's a really beautiful movie. I enjoyed it a lot. And then May, December, just three really strong performances from Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton. Just kind of a movie about, you know, the performances we all put on, whether it be in our career or in our actual lives and relationships and really powerful stuff there. I think we'll maybe see that in this race as well come Oscar season. Um, Yeah. What about, what are you thinking here? What, was, what do you want to speak to? Um, really quick, I just kind of had a question for you um, yeah. on Anatomy of a Fall. Do mm-hmm. you think that she did it? <gasps> um, in your in your mind, did she do it? 
I don't think she did it. Mm. Do you think she did it? I don't know. You know what's fun? It's like that's not like when the movie ends, like we realize like, oh, it didn't matter. Like the it wasn't even like about that at all. And it like was just uh Well, that's what she talks about too. Like it's she goes, You'd think you'd get a prize, but it's just nothing. Yeah, it's, it's just, just over. It's over. And I was like, wow, um, that's that's powerful. It's so depressing. It's good stuff. And I think the relationship between mother and son at the end is implied to be like just broken. pretty broken. But she um, has her dog. I think he didn't know for sure, but just tried to save his mom. Mm-hmm. And I think he maybe fabricated a little bit at the end or just decided. Um, also, it's the boys yeah. should have gone. Should have they should have been like, hold on, you can't be poisoning your dog for science. Like we need that to. That was look a crazy that. turn. I was like, oh my god, that scene okay. was wild. That was crazy. Um, I was shocked that there was no repercussions for that, but I get the story can't focus on that. But yeah, it's just one of those so ambiguous, like, just one of those movies. Like they don't give you all the answers purposefully, and they don't give you all the information, and they just and leave I think you, that's, uh, leave us yeah, having these conversations. That's such a point for like a big trials like this too. Like sometimes you're just unsatisfied. Yep. Um, no matter what. And even if they're proven or there's not enough to like convict. So like maybe they they did it. Maybe they didn't. Um, And kind of just like the, the never being able to trust that person ever again is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stuff. I need to rewatch that. It's good. It's, a it's really good. Um, Killers of the flower moon. We've, we've talked about a lot too. Mm-hmm. Just, just really fun. I think it's not fun, I guess. Uh, just very <laughs> important it, story. Just, yeah, yeah. Important story really good the intro is like insanely cool um of them like running through like the old timey yeah the the, the oil like shooting out of the ground oh, in yeah. the field too Beautiful. like some of those shots are crazy mm-hmm. um i do kind of think maybe there is a conversation about like not doing the perspective through dicaprio i get why because mm-hmm. he's like deceiving everybody and like it's kind of hard for like to have lily gladstone be the like the lens i suppose when she's like bedridden a lot of the time sure or very unsuspecting of of it at least in the moments mm-hmm. um so it's kind of hard there but yeah but yeah. the evil at the forefront yeah yeah um i've already spoke on poor things i think it's a, mm-hmm. a beautiful movie a lot of fun performances really funny and also some really powerful messages in there as well um the holdovers we'd mentioned, the comfort Christmas movie of the year, just uh, probably the warmest of hugs of all the movies here. Yeah, maybe the most uplifting of all these movies. Maybe, well, maybe Barbie sure. also. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Barbie is probably the most positive movie. Yeah, you leave a lot with of a bummers. Smile. Yeah, a lot of bu- <laughs> lot, it's a year for bummers. That's for sure. Um, and then Oppenheimer and Past Lives that, that we've talked about um, yeah. ad nauseum. So. What do you think? I I know where I'm kind of leaning, but I feel like you might be leaning somewhere else. Well, I'm kind of curious what your like top three of the year were. Maybe that can help us inform. Sure. My uh my top three of the year of of movies on this list. Yeah. Um, uh, my top three were Oppenheimer, Killers, and Poor Things. Mm. Mine were mine was Past Lives, Oppenheimer, and the Holdovers. So we both have Oppie. We both have Oppie high up. I knew you were gonna fight for past past if it makes you feel better, past lives in my top five. I feel like past lives is a five star movie. And I did Beautiful. not I've been like very hesitant to give those out 
whenever I'm watching like 2022 and 2023 releases just I, as yeah. I go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll go back and like change it to a five star, like after the fact, after I've seen it a couple times. But on yeah. the first watch, I just knew you were like, bam. Like I was like, that was so easy. That was such an easy decision for me. So yeah. personally, I'm a past lives advocate. Stan. Mathematically, it seems like Oppenheimer should win here. Yes, but it will. I mean, I mean, my vote's for Oppenheimer, but yeah, again, let's I do think, that then. I think, I think that, that makes the most sense. Yeah, but like if I'm doing my top five, it's Oppie, Killers, Poor Things, Barbie, Past Lives for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I'm with you. I was hesitant. I like in my estimation, I gave Past Lives four and a half. It probably could be a five star. You know, it just depends on the day. Yeah. Oppenheimer is the only one of the bunch that I did give five stars. So there is that. There you go. But you know, there you have it. What can you say? Beautiful. Beautiful. Those are our Odies and Squeakers. What a great year of movies. Yep, what a good year. Uh, Do you think next year will be better? You know, I've looked at the, obviously, next next week we're doing our fantasy movie draft for 2024 yeah. mm-hmm. with a bunch of people, a bunch of our buddies. And looking through the movies, there were a bunch that I was like, oh, that'll be, that'll be good. But I don't think there were as many that I looked at that I was like anticipating for this past year, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, there's, I agree. Like there's a few that I'm looking forward to. Like obviously, like Dune is pretty high on that list. Like there's a bunch of of movies yeah. I'm looking forward to in the in the coming year. Um, That's crazy to think about too. Like had the strikes not delayed a few movies, I think this year would have been really strong. Oh yeah, we would have stand on its own. Yeah, but because of some of the delays we got, there's definitely like maybe 2024 will have a stronger year because of of that. Totally, totally. Like we could have had you know. Could have had could been talking about challengers this year too. True, I'm I'm excited for challengers. So we got a lot of exciting stuff coming coming down the pipe that I would say that I'm just like I'm more interested in than excited yeah. for. Sure, but there's definitely some things where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna ride for that and and see that. But so we're kind of getting a weird mix of some like IP revivals too. Like Twister, <laughs> I think is getting like a Twisters. Yeah, Twisters. <laughs> um, and a, what was the other one that kind of caught my eye? A lot of weird um, franchise choices next year. I think year. there's like, like an alien or a predator, an alien. We're one. getting an alien movie. Alien, yeah. Getting an alien movie. You know, we're getting another Beetlejuice. We're getting another Gladiator. We're getting another Apes movie. Like we're getting a lot of Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah, we're getting. Is it? We're getting a Francis Ford Coppola movie next yeah. year. We're getting a Steve McQueen movie next year. We'll be talking about Joker, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a pretty pretty interesting year. So I'm looking forward to it, and obviously we're gonna be mentioning a lot of these movies next week so mm-hmm. stay tuned for that um do we have anything else jackson no sir amazing um yeah join us next week where we're going to be doing fantasy movie draft season three which is exciting i will just say that in first place right now is jeff in second is brian in third is jackson fourth is matt fifth is carter Sixth, Corbin, seventh, Cody, and eighth, David. So we are using these to establish draft order uh, next week. So we'll see how that goes. We're doing a little lottery. So if you're lower, you'll have a higher chance. If you're higher up, you'll have a less likely chance. So excited for that. That'll be a banger of an episode. Jackson, congrats on top three so far. We'll see how the, the season ends up when Oscar noms come out. So very excited for that. Jackson, where can they follow us on the social medias? 
Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at roughcut underscore pod. And Carter, where can they follow us on X? Check us out. Uh, Africa, I hate that I call it that. Rough cut. I know it threw me off. I stumbled on my <laughs> words. I was like, oh my God. Uh, at roughcut underscore co. Check us out there yeah. as well. Join us next week where we lay the groundwork for season three, 2024 movies. Very exciting. Have a happy new year, everybody. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.